If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. We meet again, listener. Connecting across time and space to share a story and to think. I'm Dessa. This is Deeply Human. And we're headed into the beating heart of symmetry. Why are we particularly attracted to faces that look the same on both sides? How and why is symmetry tied into our ideas of what's beautiful? We'll start by speaking with a woman named Mafi. Although she's an effervescent grown-up, as a kid, Mafi was acutely and uncomfortably aware of our preference for symmetrical faces, because hers wasn't. I remember <laughs> being at a sleepover once at this girl's house. <laughs> this girl I went to school with, and she was, like, really rich. And she had, like, you know, these, like, white carpets and, like, mini Toblerone bars in the cupboard and stuff. <laughs> And uh, I remember she had this blonde brat doll, and I remember like looking at it and like saying a prayer to God and being like, "Oh, please, please, God, like, can I look like this one day?" If you're not familiar with the Bratz brand, it's a line of dolls with big heads and tiny waists, wearing nightclub fashions and runway makeup. They've got exaggerated pouty lips, enormous almond eyes, and almost no nose because you don't need a nose to be sexy, and they are, of course, perfectly symmetrical. As you might have already gleaned, I am not a huge fan of hypersexualized dolls with alien proportions marketed as playthings for young girls. I've had this aversion since I myself was a small girl and was once discovered lecturing on the topic while standing in a box in the middle of my daycare center. I digress. Back to Mafi, who was painfully aware of her own facial asymmetry. Mafi's mom was awesome, always telling Mafi how beautiful she was. But moms are so easy to write off. Like, they have to say that, right? I had such a kind of fixed idea of myself as someone that wasn't physically beautiful at all. I wore really serious full-on glasses and I also wore an eye patch on my stronger eye to make my weaker eye have to work harder for years. And they'd try and kind of <laughs> kind of sex it up for me with stickers and stuff <laughs> to kind of compensate in some way for the humiliation at school. Mafi has strabismus, a lazy eye, and that sometimes made eye contact difficult because the other kids weren't sure where she was looking. So she spent a lot of time looking down at her hands. Although Mafi's asymmetry is obvious, none of us are quite the same on both sides. Chris McManus is a medic and a psychologist who wrote a book called Right Hand, Left Hand that splits us open to study both halves, how they're built, why we use them the way we do, and even our attitudes about each side. Chris is a professor at the University of London 
we met at the BBC studios to sit down for a serious intellectual exchange. Can you lift an eyebrow? One. Which one? No, I'm not sure. Wait a minute. I don't even. Hold I on. need some feedback. I've got no okay, idea what I I'm know. doing okay. there. Do your do your best to lift your left eyebrow, and I'll tell you. Okay, that's not happening. Do your best <laughs> to lift your right eyebrow. Thank God this isn't video. No, I can't do there it. There is movement that is, is not a lifting of an eyebrow. Okay. okay, Chris is not likely to be cast as an arch-villain in the next blockbuster. When I asked him why we're generally symmetrical in the first place, the answer was pretty forthright. It's easier to navigate through the world on legs that are roughly the same length and with ears that work in pretty much the same way and are in the same position on our head. But growing into a symmetrical organism might be harder than it seems on first glance. Think, think about a fetus in the womb, all its individual parts forming separately. How do its fingers or its ears or its knees get to be the same on both sides? Well, the answer is that they both take the same set of instructions, the same DNA, but by the time the knees, the ears and the fingers are developing, they're stuck out miles away from each other. So they both read the same instructions and they try and produce the same organ by using that code book. OK, same pattern book. But if stuff goes wrong during that process, if there's noise, there's interference, stuff happens. You don't mean literal noise. Yeah, I mean biological noise, but it might be physical noise as well. Stresses. Stresses, and... anything. Okay. Some radioactivity, the old cosmic ray coming through, perhaps some, um, you know, drugs or something. But anything can happen. Then the two sides get slightly different. You and I are both making duck all orange in separate kitchens. I, however, have had three martinis. So we have the same recipe, but an intervening factor. Yeah. That means that I'm going to burn the duck. Yeah, that's what we call biological noise. Hmm. <laughs> three martinis. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but normally, for most of us, there's what we call buffering. There's enough control over it to make sure the two things stay the same. So if that goes wrong, then, of course, the two sides become slightly different. But it means actually other things are going wrong in development as well. If an organism's symmetry has been thrown off, there might be other problems beneath the surface too. And that's probably why we look for symmetry in faces and that sort of thing. People with symmetric faces, it's probably they've got good genes, they're well buffered, they can respond to stress and survive it. And that's why we think that symmetry is beauty in, in faces in particular. So we have this idea that seeing someone and, and appraising their face as symmetrical and beautiful, is that sort of shorthand for appraising their reproductive health? In biological terms, yes. All organisms are looking for somebody to mate with in order to produce offspring. And probably having a symmetric face is part of that story. So far, Chris and I have been discussing the symmetries that we can see in one another, our external appearances. But inside, we're not so symmetrical at all. So, for instance, our heart is asymmetric. And why it's like that is interesting, because if you go to more primitive animals, earthworms or insects or even some primitive vertebrates, then they have a small heart, which is in the middle of the body, and it's not at all asymmetric. We seem to get large hearts when we have a lot of muscles. And when you start to pump a lot of blood through a symmetric heart, you get turbulence. Oh. And what seems to have happened is that the heart has evolved so that the blood spirals through it 
and stops the turbulence. So, you know, if you want to open up the chest, you'll find that if you look at the lungs, then the right lung has three lobes and the left lung has two. If you look inside the abdomen, you'll find that there's the, the liver on one side, the spleen on the other, the stomach, the intestines, all of them are asymmetric. Famously, the testicles even are asymmetric and they're larger on one side than the other and higher on one side than the other and so on. And all of those asymmetries seem to really follow on from the fact that the heart is asymmetric. So if you find the rare people, it's about one in 10,000 people in the world, who have their heart on the right side, then they will tend to have their liver, their stomach, their spleen, even their testicles reversed. So they're a mirror image, they're flipped over. We're not at all behaviorally symmetrical either. Some body parts are stronger or more flexible, more nimble than their partners on the other side. About nine out of ten of us favor our right hands, though men are more likely to be left-handed than women. And there's evidence that handedness actually starts in utero. So if you spy on babies with an ultrasound while they are in the presumed privacy of their mother's stomachs, you'll see that they often suck the thumb of the preferred hand. And sitting here watching you interview me, I notice uh-huh. you've just clasped your hands together. And hand clasping, where you grip the hands together, then there's usually one thumb on top. In my case, it's the right thumb on top. Right for me too. Right. But half the population, it's the other way around. And if, and it, if I force myself to do it the other way around, it feels so disgusting. Feels I want to leave my own company. Yes, utterly horrible. What are the other um, behavioral asymmetries besides right-handed dominance? Like what other part of our bodies are asymmetrically used? Almost all of them. Although about 10% of people are left-handed, about 20% of people are left-footed. What about like for our sense organs even? The eyes are the obvious one. Eyes are slightly tricky. About 70% of people are right-eyed. The other 30% are left-eyed. But it's in the sense of which eye we choose to look with. So... It's a strange question, but if you had to look through a keyhole, (laughs) which eye would you use? In some ways, eyes themselves are keyholes, through which our brain peers out at the world from inside its skull. I asked Mafia what it was like to see the world through her eyes. I only really focus with one eye at a time. I've got one that I use for far away and I've got one that I use for close up. The interesting thing about it, though, is that I can look at two things at once. Um, it's just really that, yeah it's just that one <laughs> it's just that one is kind of performs a kind of peripheral function in the in the sense that I don't focus on it so I'm able to kind of shut one of them off but it's it's probably quite <laughs> I think you'd probably be pretty freaked out <laughs> <laughs> like if we could if we could trade visual yeah, feeds yeah. for a second yeah. but on the other hand you'd probably be pretty freaked out too like yeah, why yeah. can this girl only see like four <laughs> degrees in front of her she's gonna yeah. fall down <laughs> You will be glad to learn that Mafi had a much better time of it as a teenager than as a grade schooler. I remember when I got to secondary school and suddenly boys fancied me and I just like could not believe my luck. I was like, oh my God, I've got all this sexual power and, <laughs> and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> as it happens, Mafi did find something to do with all that sexual power. When you're at a coffee shop or, or if you're at a bar, do you ever get the sense that maybe people recognize you? Yeah, it does happen a bit. Now will you tell me what you do for a living? Yeah. I am a, I suppose, model. And um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the idea. It was kind of an accident, really. 
I got scouted at a festival when I was like 14 or 15 and did a test shoot and really like thought it was intolerable. She tried modeling, hated it, and bailed completely. And then essentially gets discovered again a few years later. Like, modeling won't leave her alone. Someone introduced me to this photographer called Tyrone LeBon, who now is a really good friend of mine. And um, he wanted someone that wasn't kind of fashion-y. And um, he took some photos of me, and they ended up on the cover of Pop. So what did that mean? Like, how big a deal is that? Well, I suppose maybe I still still don't really know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they've had lots of other kind of big celebs, um, uh, much more. You hate this. You hate name dropping. Like, you really hate this part. Is that right? I find it quite embarrassing, yeah. (laughs) Okay, stop. I'm going to take over. Pop is a UK fashion and culture magazine that's featured people like Naomi Campbell and Britney Spears on its covers. And Storm, the modeling agency that signed Mafi, discovered people like Kate Moss. Mafi is kind of crushing it. And the I ended up being her calling card. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I don't know if this is easy to answer from the inside, but mm. do you have a sense of how much the lazy eye defines your career? Oh, no, yeah. I mean, it is. It is my career, basically. A bit of asymmetry might have an attraction all its own. To talk aesthetics more generally for a moment, I have wrangled my design friend, Vance Wallenstein. Vance and I met in our early 20s, having crossed paths in the Minneapolis indie music scene. And conveniently for future podcasting me, he ended up the head of design at MoMA PS1, a branch of the Museum of Modern Art in New York. I asked Vance to explain how symmetry is understood and treated in his field. I think historically, you know, symmetry represented the ideal, uh, perfection, the most beautiful, it was the most elegant, it was the most you know, wealthy. You know, you think of places of worship, religious texts, even tombstones, for example. You rarely see, you know, a name left justified or right justified. It's going to be centered. It's the most kind of respectful, maybe precious way to present information. Symmetry also had class connotations. It was refined. Vance, who has a special expertise in typography, can see those class connotations play out in our type treatments, at least in the Western world. You have, you know, the emergence of Dada, De Stille, Russian constructivism, you know, Bauhaus, all of these sorts of movements in Europe that are advocating for an asymmetrical approach to typography and reading as a way to kind of socialize Uh, the experience of reading and advertising, to make it for the people in a way it wasn't. Absolute, perfect symmetry is also, like, totally impossible to find in nature. Absolutely, it's the ideal. But as we all know, the ideal with regards to anything doesn't exist. Which does not stop us from trying to find it. 
I do think that, you know, the eye is trying to make connections between forms, etc., and create lines. When things are asymmetrical, the experience of, you know, viewing something from a visual standpoint becomes much more dynamic as a result. And I would say charged, exciting in a way, because you have to do more work. And optically, once you've done that work to actually figure out the alignments, uh, the experience just becomes so much more rewarding. What do you mean when you say that we're doing more work? Does that mean that like my eyes are literally moving all around the picture? Yes, because your eyes do want just by nature to have things be balanced, to be symmetrical. So when they're not, you have to create those visual, those, you're, you're, you're creating those points, you're finding those points to create those lines for it to become symmetrical. Asymmetry being a much more, I would argue, challenging but rewarding experience. And I think that can be applied to just about anything, whether it's typesetting, whether it's art, uh, whether it's a human, whether it's how they look, how they act. Part of the reason that evolutionary biologists give for a, a general attraction to symmetrical human faces is that human beings that were able to develop one eye that looks pretty much like the other eye, like grew up in an environment without too many developmental strains. And they got some genes that were able to express themselves evenly across the body. Like it might be an indicator for reproductive health. And then to balance that against like <laughs> every adolescent girl's crush to be real heteronormative on like the classic scar over just one eye or the mm. Monroe piercing on one side of the mouth, you know, or like if you imagine 1920s flappers, like the parting your hair really far to one side. When you talk about like asymmetry being more of a challenge and more interesting fundamentally, I mean, there's also a limit to that, right? It's like at a certain point, if we're too asymmetrical, Generally, we consider that's considered less beautiful. Like if one side of your face is super different than the other, right? Like is there a, is there a sweet spot? Yeah, absolutely. And I think with regards to any sort of whether it's the human form or art or design, it's you know finding that point of tension and how does asymmetry kind of react against symmetry and that kind of that liminal place where things vibrate, the Monroe, the piercing, the scar, the hair part. I think is where. Uh, the experience becomes the most charged. So if it's everything's purely symmetrical, it's a very static experience. If it's completely asymmetrical, it's going to be chaos. That sweet spot in between and finding those moments of, yeah, vibration. We respond in the most exciting kind of ways. that if you'd been born like 10 or 20 years earlier that you would have still had a shot at a modeling career? No, I don't think so. How come? Like what's changed in the industry? I think generally attitudes have changed towards people that previously would have been kind of othered by society. Like there's lots of disabled models now and transgender models and plus size models and you know it's much more of a culture of tolerance. Do you think that you're Asymmetry is like accepted by the industry because you're otherwise very beautiful and symmetrical in a classic way. I think of like Cindy Crawford's mole, you know, this yeah. kind of calling card <laughs> against a backdrop of supermodel beauty. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think so. 
It's funny, I mean, <laughs> whenever I've been told to lose weight, which obviously has happened, I always think kind of, you know, such a cheek, isn't it? Like, I'm allowed to have a lazy eye as long as I haven't got, like, you know, back rolls or a fat ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also think that the truth is, is that it's, you know, usually it's the imperfection that gives something its own kind of sparkle. And also it's what kind of draws interest because the meaning is kind of closed. Otherwise, there's nowhere to go with it. Like, what do you mean by that? How do you see the relationship generally between beauty and symmetry? I think that physical imperfections are suggestive of something internal and they, they invite analysis in a way that perfection doesn't really. And that's what I mean when I say that the meaning is closed with perfection, is that there's no past to read into it and there's no kind of future to extrapolate. It just it, it doesn't suggest identity or individuality. Mafi says she has mixed feelings about the fact that her lazy eye receives so much attention in her career. None of us are reducible to just one feature. But on the other hand... I think it's kind of wonderful. And if it's, you know, managed to function as a kind of invitation for other people to exercise a bit of self-forgiveness for their flaws and all the rest of it, then I feel, you know, really kind of touched and quite humbled, really, to have anything to do with that. The throngs of crazed fans camped outside my podcast mansion often tell me that I have a perfectly symmetrical broadcast voice. So you may be surprised to learn that my face is not particularly symmetrical at all. The left side of my mouth tilts up. It's always the first to start smiling, which can make the right half of my face look like it's just a little disappointed in you, like there were staff cuts, so I am playing both good cop and bad cop at the same time. Why is symmetry beautiful? Symmetrical faces indicate good genes and developmental resilience, strong reproductive stock. But we ask more of faces than to be only beautiful. We want to connect, to see the flash of anger or delight or lust or tenderness as it breaks across the brow or ripples the muscles of the jaw. We want to know who the face belongs to and what she makes of us. We don't just look at faces, we look to them to reveal an inner life fortified by past triumphs and freighted with the old hurts. We want to know how the pretty face on the magazine is related to the little girl at the sleepover with a doll and a private prayer. Next time on Deeply Human. We'll be asking, why do you see faces in clouds? And why does the creaking of an old house freak you out, even though you are positive you're the only one home? In short, why are we so eager to perceive other creatures everywhere and in everything? Within the human brain, we have specialized systems for detecting other social animals. And we have, if you like, dedicated mechanisms for identifying others and their form and their shapes and their movements. I mean, I could hear his voice so clearly I didn't feel alarmed. Somebody said, oh, I feel like there was somebody behind me, touching me, he was not me, or he felt creepy. Oh, a guy said, oh, I felt like the, there was a monkey replicating <laughs> my movements on my back. Deeply Human is a BBC World Service and American Public Media co-production with iHeartMedia. Oh, and if you want to know what happens when you ask a very modest, self-effacing model to describe her own face, 
It's pretty cute. They are kind of thick at the bit where they kind of approach each other in between my, um, you know, upstairs of my nose. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you say the, uh, hold on. Did you just say the upstairs of your nose? Is that what the phrase that you just said? Oh my God. Yeah. And um, my cheeks are probably quite cheeky as well. Quite. quite. <laughs> my mouth is kind of um, medium size, I'd say. <laughs> okay, uh, stop. Wait. No, I'm going to cut in. Because <laughs> I'm. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to cut in because, like, as someone who's read about your face, like, as other people are writing about it, um, it this is just hilarious. Because I'm, you know, other writers are like, her lips are pillowy. And you're like, I got a medium sized mouth. <laughs> 